Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, Note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for March 8, 2020. Koyo Kobose here. I'm so very, very glad you joined us. Well, <laughs> I'll give you an update on my uh, gardening. The new season has started. And of course, in Central California here, we get a little jump start. Um, the frost date which is a date in the spring, which is the last time that um, is March 15th. So no more frost, based upon statistics, weather statistics, no more overnight uh, frost or freezing to kill your plants. So in other words, it's a guide toward uh, farmers and so forth that... um, uh, when, statistically speaking, from the all past obser- observations, and when it should be safe uh, to go full full charge ahead. Um, this year, it seems to be a little earlier um, <clears throat> than the average because I was starting, it was getting warm, and I was starting to uh, work in the garden in the last week of February, and during this first week of March, and I did put in uh, four rows of um, spinach, which is a cool season crop, and um, also I'm going to put in some broccoli and uh, peas, which are also cool season crops. But I was thinking, uh, even in the, these past two weeks, there were some days when the temperature here got into the low 80s. Uh, and that's pretty warm. I mean, it's very pleasant, 
of course, but uh, in the high 70s. Uh, and then, and so I was able to work outside and start planting earlier than usual. And then it struck me, I said, hey, it's, it's kind of seemed like it's uh, warmer this year than usually. Then I said to myself, of course, you dummy, <laughs> it's climate change. <laughs> I think most of us, unless we are in certain circumstances, we don't directly experience climate change in our consciousness. You know, people that live right on the uh, a coast where they could see the water is rising um, or other places where the, the effects are more direct. Uh, but for most of us, I think, okay, even though we're told in the news and everything about climate change, uh, that uh, we don't notice that the whole planet is getting warmer, okay? We do know, we hear in the news all the time that the storms are, of all kinds, are getting worse because uh, when the ocean's water temperature starts to increase a little bit, uh, it brings stronger storms. And, you know, I just flashed in my memory, uh, back in the early 70s, uh, when I first, I met somebody, uh, he was a, a well, I had gone to Japan, just started in Japan, and and the, uh, my sponsor, uh, his father was a scientist at the Kyoto University, and he was a, uh, I don't remember exactly what his specialty was, but physics and, I know, and, uh, but we had a conversation, and he said that there's two major problems for the, for the world you know, big potential problems that we have to be concerned about, okay? And one of them, he said, is that if the average world temperature increases one degree, you know, it's going to produce catastrophes. And uh, so this is in, the, you know, 50 years ago. Um, and I, and at that time, I, the, you know, it wasn't in the news. Okay, This is the leading edge, you know, the scientists knew. And as an average citizen at that time, I said, gee, what does that mean, uh, one degree? You know, I started to ponder it. Um, if the average world temperature increases one degree, a catastrophe. Um, and it's coming true, okay? And, uh, it, and it sort of uh, astounded me that for me right now, you know, it's only when you somehow experience it directly. And you say, oh, yeah, climate change is, is real. Of course you knew it was real, okay, intellectually, abstractly. Um, but until you experience it directly, uh, the reality hits closer to home, of course. So I was just reporting, <laughs> uh, watch out for climate change. Okay, I want to introduce our guest to give us the Dharma glimpse, Jess. Son, Jess Vacon uh, is part of our LM12 group. So let's hear from Jess. Hello, this is Jess Vashon with the Dharma Glimpse for March 8th, 2020. Hello. This Dharma Glimpse is entitled The Dharma of the Axe. As we begin March and prepare to head into spring, 
the wood pile which helps us to supply heat to our home in New Hampshire grows smaller. As I reflect on the remaining wood, I'm reminded of how this resource came to me. Last summer, I had eight or so trees taken down in my yard. They were little more than saplings when we purchased the property, and in a few decades, most had grown to about 40 feet in height, shading about a third of our property, and due to the location, making that part of the yard unusable for most things. As part of the removal, I had the arborists leave the wood, cut in sections of about 18 inches. Of course, the process of cutting sections being as it is, some are shorter than 18 inches and some are longer, and it's safe to say that no two logs are the same. I let the wood dry a bit over the summer, and in autumn it was time to split the wood. I thought about renting a gas splitter, but being already in possession of an axe, a wedge, and a sledgehammer, I decided to split the wood the old-fashioned way, with grit. Plus, this gives me an opportunity to get in a workout while actually accomplishing a chore in the process. The art of splitting wood by hand, to educate those of you who have never done so, requires one to read the wood a bit. Depending on the wood, you might find natural splits perpendicular to the growth rings. Finding these provides the axe wielder a small gift as they give you an entry point into a weak spot in the log. So you try to stage the log in a way that the blow of the axe comes down in or near these splits. Hit the spot right and you might even get a clean through split of the log, a jackpot. Not all wood is nice to work with. I have a mix of maple, ash, and apple. The apple holds moisture and is more fibrous. It also tends to be fuller with knots created by the multitude of branches we are all familiar with from apple picking. While I was able to use only the axe on the maple and the ash, the apple logs required me to switch to using a wedge and a sledgehammer to get started, and on occasion, I need to hammer the wedge clear through the apple on the first pass in order to weaken the log enough for further quartering. The unsplit logs I stacked in seven rows, seven feet across and four feet high. On each Saturday last fall, my goal was to split one row. It might not sound like a lot of splitting, but keep in mind the differences in effort I noted previously. Additionally, about one-third of these logs are two or three feet in diameter. These logs are where the base of the trunk was. These require not only quartering, but quartering again in order to make them small enough to fit in the wood stove. Safe use of the tools requires constant awareness of where you stand in relation to the wood, the axe, and what I call the escape space. Escape space is that area you shift to or twist into if the log tips, splits funny, or if the axe misses or bounces. For the most part, however, splitting wood is like learning to ride a bike. Once you learn how to split wood correctly, you never really forget but it does take a few passes to bring it all back again. As I got into my work, I focused on each of the things I've described to you. I carefully chose each log, studied it as I placed it onto the splitting platform, adjusted it according to splitting points, and checked my body position in relation. However, as I was preparing to split the first log, I decided to do something I hadn't done before. Before swinging the ax, I chose to think about the log. I considered all the energy that went into the growth of the tree. I considered the energy it would take me to extract it and the heat it would provide in the cooler months. I thought on all the seasons the tree had weathered and how the world must have seemed so small to those trees as they grew upwards. I remembered our family picking apples and making applesauce and sharing some of the apples with our neighbors. I recalled how we strung dog runs from these trees and no fewer than four dogs had enjoyed both the freedom and the shade they offered. And I allowed a bit of remorse for having taken the trees down. With all of this in my thoughts, I felt the tree deserved thanks. So, from the first log of the morning to the last, I paused, reflected, and offered a gasho to each log before beginning my work. Choose, lift, center, pause, consider, thank, split, and repeat.
I am not always certain I understand how to develop my path, and at times I see old patterns emerge, and I recognize I slip lazily back into them. I spend a lot of time in meditation, and the benefit isn't always present to me. I don't appreciate suchness as much as I think it should be appreciated. But occasionally, I realize just a glimmer of wisdom. As I have toiled on the work in the fall, I was reminded of the words Giyomai Sensei wrote in The Center Within. In the chapter, Wash of Dishes, he tells us, Life, after all, is little things put together. Each doing should be done 100%, so that at the end of the day, there will be no regret. A Buddhist life is a life of no regret. Do everything sincerely and completely, your life will become perfect. With each swing of the axe, I really understood what he was sharing. I got it. In those moments of splitting wood, I was there in each second of every moment, and only there, in every way possible, and incorporating everything I have learned on my path with Buddhism. And I let the suchness of this moment wash over me. The trees may be gone, the wood piles almost a memory, the daylight grows longer, and the need for heating fades. The lesson, however, stays with me. To the trees I owe much, and I again offer to them a gastro. Ah, boy, thank you very much. (laughs) As I listen, splitting wood, uh, I tried it once, (laughs) several decades ago. We were living in the the Midwest at the time, uh, in Skokie, Illinois, and um, there was a tree that uh, we we had cut down in our backyard, uh, and they and again, you know, as was mentioned in the glimpse, uh, they 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 uh, they call it I think bucking, where you take a downed tree and then you cut it into sections, so many inches long, and then you split those so that you get some firewood for you know if you have a fireplace. And, uh, of course, all of us have know about splitting wood, and we probably have seen it done in a movie or television. And and it's, it's I guess for males, it's kind of a, a manly labor, uh, manual labor, you know, intensive. So I said, oh, I'm going to split some wood. And I knew generally how to do it. And I had an axe, and I had a, a wedge several wedges in fact and I had the axe that had the not a dub, uh, not a double bladed one but one that had sort of the the um sledgehammer and on one end of the axe okay and so I I didn't know anything about splitting wood okay yes son knows knows more about uh Splitting wood than I, than I did right at the beginning. I didn't study the grain or anything else. I just started right in. And you know what? It was hard, very hard. Uh, right away, I, I was not very successful. I could hardly even get the wedge in, you know. And you get tired of picking up that and swinging that that large axe, heavy axe, okay. And uh, I was not very successful. I quit pretty relatively quickly. And um, I said to myself, I'm never going to split wood again. So anyway, this is some personal reaction to the topic. But I also remember, uh, you know, I I always like uh, quotes. 
uh, and and uh, maybe different features in a magazine, Sunday magazine or something. Sometimes they have uh, wisdom quotes and stuff like this. And and I and I remember one was, "Cut your own wood; it'll warm you twice." <laughs> That's pretty clever wording, but it's really true because it's a workout to 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 cut wood. Uh, and I have to say uh, that when I was doing that many decades ago, I never thought about gratitude toward the trees. But as our as our practice becomes more, uh, well, uh, awareness deepens. Uh, trees are really a tremendous. <laughs> thing in nature and there have been a lot it seems like there's been a lot more books written about trees and all different kind of topics and uh, it's appreciation of trees uh, is something to be admired encouraged uh, especially if, as modern age goes less and less of us <laughs> go you know are outside okay when when we reflect on this, it's really true. Modern civilization, we're in, working in offices, the computers, we're indoors, and and that's really a shame. And it's really bad for our health, mental and physical health. So part of trees and wood and everything is simply getting out there and seeing them is a tremendous thing. To see the sky, to see trees, okay? Uh, whether we're conscious of it or not, that uh, this it's it's necessary for us to uh, have some light. Okay? Even if it's overcast, you go outside, you know, you uh, get some sun sunlight. Huh? Uh, over and above the vitamin D effect and everything, it's really essential okay, for our health to get outside. You know, or sometimes I see a bumper sticker or something that says, take it outside. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a play on words of, you know, uh, another kind of meaning of that phrase. But so I really appreciate gardening, which I was influenced because of my father, the late Reverend Gyome Kubose. He was uh, uh, trained before he became a minister. He was a professional uh, gardener. And uh, it never left him. He's always uh, puttering around and planting, planting things, even in the city, find a little corner. He's always planting something. Whenever he visited the, the, the family, like when my brothers lived out of state, myself, my brother and myself, and he came to visit during the holidays, he would always be out there on his own pruning trees and puttering around you know, uh, in the landscape gardening area. And so I really was influenced by this and had the opportunity in our, the way our present property at Bright Dawn here, uh, all the ingredients for having uh, extensive gardening. And I'm kind of practical. I have to admit, Adrian is the plants, all the flowers, okay, all around the house. 
I, I'm, a, I'm a much more pragmatic, and I want, if I'm going to do a lot of work, I want it to, it to feed us. Okay. And so I, I made a big old gar- vegetable garden. I bought the biggest freezer there was because, you know, I wasn't going to – in the old days, you would can. Uh, and that's kind of a laborious, uh, involved process. If you're gonna, in the old days, they would can. That was the boil, they blanch it, and then they put it in jars and all this stuff. Um, and then it was uh, blanching them and freezing them in, in Ziploc bags, so it got a little bit easier. But I didn't even want to do that. So um, in the freezer, I just the raw product and put them into the Ziplocs and put them right in the freezer. I've heard from different people on first hand, uh, sometimes they just take the, take like, for example, corn, they just, they just pick it off the plant and throw the whole husk and everything of the, in the freezer. And then they, when it comes time to eat it, they just take it out, put it in a microwave, bam, okay, husk and all. And it's delicious. <laughs> so, but that's just an example. Uh, and I've followed that in general. And when I, I like to, if I'm going to put in effort, I, I try to maximize the, the, the effort in terms of the quantity of the result. Okay. I might not be good on quality all the time, but I'm not a fussy guy. <laughs> and it's good enough for me. Okay. I'm not a gourmet or anything. But uh, so I like to, uh, and same thing when I cook, I cook stews or soups, I make quite a bit because it doesn't take that much more effort to make a, you know, a few gallons <laughs> uh, than a little bit. Okay. And then, of course, with the leftover, you, you freeze it. You got your, I love one gallon Ziploc bags, <laughs> freezer type, huh? Freeze it. And I really feel maybe this is the pioneer in me, you know, where you're stocking up. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I I really enjoy working in the garden outside and planting all kinds of vegetables. Okay. And when I was younger, and I didn't, I I didn't, I wasn't into gardening uh, as is the case with most young people, we worked out jogging or whatever, but getting older, um, I don't do any of that kind of exercise because gardening provides my exercise. And uh, I do suffer during the winter months, gain a little bit more weight, get more out of shape. And it's a little bit more crucial when you get older and you're huffing and puffing right away and, but I could feel it right now, you know, after a few weeks, hey, I'm getting in better shape. It feels good. And and then I always remember, I'm going to close with this. My father and I were at some kind of a function, and we were in the audience, and there was a, um, she was kind of elderly lady, maybe in her 60s, next to us. And we were talking, and then I mentioned that my father was in his 90s. At that time, he was in his early 90s. And she got kind of excited, and she says, oh, what's your secret to longevity? You know? And he said, 
you didn't, you didn't respond too much, and she, so she persisted. She goes, well, I, you know, what's the secret? Do you exercise? And, and she sort of kept at it, and he said, no, I don't exercise. I work. <laughs> he was kind of curt, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and that's true. Uh, when, when he was getting older, well, in his 70s, 80s, we tried to encourage him to go to the, the local uh, community center and join exercise classes. He would never do that. He, didn't, he never said why or, or anything, but, you know, in retrospect, it was very hard for, you know, when we encouraged him to go, and he never ended up going. So I could see why that he he wasn't into that. Going to going to exercise classes or exercising in general is a relatively modern way to you know get fit. Uh, he's old school, real old school. You didn't do that. You worked, okay? and I, I I said I was going to stop right after this, but there's another association came in that I have to chuckle about. That I took him to. I at the time I was going to the lakefront and going jogging, and I took my father one time just to, not to exercise together, but just to see early morning, uh, sunrise, Lake Michigan, you know, uh, sun rises over the east side, because Lake Michigan's on the east side of Chicago City proper. And ladies would be jogging. And I didn't realize, but he said, he gave, he, he gave kind of a surprise Exclamation! He goes, "Hey, there's a woman exercising." Well, there's another woman running. Then later on, he says, "Hey, there's another woman." Then it occurred to me that he's really old school. Women never would exercise in the old days. It was just not socially accepted, not feminine to work out. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I get a lot of good chuckles. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.